Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on Cyberate.it using the discount code PODCAST. In this special episode of the Cyberate Podcast, we bring you our COVID-19 Battle Royale series. Hosting the series is Brian Dykstra, the CEO of Atlantic Data Forensics, who will be joined by guests from across the industry about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting them. All right. Welcome to the uh, first episode of the Atlantic D, uh, Data Forensics uh, COVID Chronicles. Uh, very happy to have uh, three illustrious guests with me here today and also good looking. I might want to put that in there. Um, but uh, I will let each one of them introduce themselves uh, individually. Tell me where you're, who you are, where you're from, what you're up to. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Sure. So Steve Zalewski, Deputy CISO at Levi Strauss. So we make jeans, for those that don't know. And I always say we make jeans, how hard can we make it? Yeah, we can make it pretty hard. All right, Doug, you're next. Uh, Doug Close, I'm Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Solutions at uh, Sayers, um, based out of Chicago. Um, we're a value-added solution partner for uh, cybersecurity products and infrastructure cloud products, uh, as well as a tech refresh practice as well. Been with Sayers for 18 years, building out the practice um, here, and it's been a, a great ride to, to be in this very dynamic space of cybersecurity. All right, and Dave. Dave Shimarelli, I work with McKenzie Commercial Real Estate, uh, Vice President. Um, I specialize in leasing and sales of office and industrial buildings in the Baltimore, Washington uh, corridor area. And this is uh, Hendrix. You'll probably see him in and out of the podcast as well. We're, we're a dog-friendly podcast, so yeah. it's okay. Um, that, that's awesome. Uh, I am Brian Dykstra. I'm the CEO of Atlantic Data Forensics. Uh, based here in uh, Elk Ridge, Maryland, Columbia, Maryland, right between Baltimore and DC, providing uh, computer forensics and incident response services to clients all over the world. It's weird, but I know all three of you individually, I work with all three of you individually, and none of you got to meet each other before, so this should be fun. All right, uh, so first up, um, since I didn't wanna make this all super depressing, I, I wanted to get people in from different industries and talk to you all about what's going on in your industry. Um, and, and I'm gonna start in backwards order just cause it'll be more fun that way. Um, so Dave, you're in commercial real estate. I know you, you, know, you work that whole Baltimore, DC, Northern Virginia corridor area. You sold me, I, I bought my office building from you. Um, so uh, tell, tell me what's going on in the, the commercial real estate space, uh, you know, in, in this uh, pandemic. Uh, well, Right now, pretty much absolutely nothing is happening. But let me uh, kind of say what was happening leading up to it and then um, what happened the day pretty much that COVID started and what we're seeing right now. So leading up from uh, 2019 into early 2020, the commercial real estate market was extremely hot, I would say, 
So I personally started in 2011 coming out of the last recession. So really never saw a bad market. Um, every year got better and we were seeing just phenomenal things happening. Rates were up, uh, demand was up, uh, tenant, I mostly represent tenants and you were seeing most of the tenants around here expanding, which is a great sign for the economy as well, because it means business in general is doing extremely well. Um, as soon as COVID really took effect in the United States, um, you know, I probably had a dozen, dozen and a half deals lined up. Most of them went on pause. Um, and since then, they have either said, we're just going to stop until we figure out what's really happening, or we're going to wait to get a real better idea. Um, as of right now, you know, very little activity in the market. Uh, I've had three tours in the last 45 days, which usually I do five or six tours a week to give you just an idea as to how busy my personal schedule is with it. Um, and a lot of it now, I think, is more advantageous. Um, investors and buyers looking to find um, some real uh, ad advantageous deals for themselves. And anybody who's looking for office space is trying to really figure out what's the next um, the, the, the next commercial real estate situation going to look like for tenants in this area and, and how is it ultimately going to work with their businesses. Right. And Doug, Steve, you guys both have substantial amounts of real estate. I've been talking to some of my clients, not, not specifically about real estate, but it's topics come up with a few of my financial service clients, things like this, where they're talking about actually dumping on leases and, uh, you know, re reducing space because they figured out over the last 45, 50 days, they didn't need all the office space that they thought they needed. They could get along with, with a fraction of it and potentially save themselves a lot of money. Yeah, we're, we're definitely reassessing uh, our position. We haven't made any decisions, but um, we're definitely uh, taking a look at everything. Um, I mean, we've we've been a very remote workforce anyway. We have uh, folks all over the place. Very few people actually went into offices, um, but we still had a core group of uh, folks that you know did visit the office. But we're, we're definitely reassessing that now. So for Levi's, <clears throat> you realize we have wholesale business, right? Selling into big companies, uh, Sears, JCPenney, Macy's. We have a retail business. So we have our own stores around the world, several thousand. And then we have our e-commerce infrastructure. So when you ask about rents and um, space, Right. The, the biggest opportunity for us, obviously, is what are we doing with all of our stores around the world? And we definitely have gone with the majority and are actively renegotiating leases around the world in order to be able to go. Right. Cash is king, as our CIO says. Um, and we're meeting with definite success. I would say a lot of the strategic partnerships, this is where you find out who your strategic partners are versus who your mom and pops or guys that are just in it for themselves. Um, and so it's been really telling for that as far as around the world. And it may result in some rationalization for stores because um, again, then it comes back to how much money can we make, right? Because today, I mean, our stores are closed, right? So no revenue coming in. 
So we've got to be able to do that. And then in looking at what it's going to look like for the rest of the year, then it comes back to, well, then where do we want to change stores? What do we want to do? So it's giving us almost an opportunity to pause on how our next round of growth wants to be re-rationalized, given, you know, for 90 days, we're not selling anything. And then I'll say, and then when you look at traditional corporate like us, well, in the course of two days, everybody's working remote. And so after the initial surge of how do you do that, um, what I would say is we've now realized it can work. And we've done things that we've never done before as a company around being able to introduce lines of goods, everything else. And so as it's a grand experiment in just how far transformational technology can take the company. So you're, it's really ending up with an awful lot of kind of insightful analysis as to what this company wants to look like coming out of it. Because granted, we have to get our customers back and get them to buy. But the whole foundational business process, right, ways we've done business for 150 years, have now, we've had a chance to break through in some of those areas. Yeah. Dave, what, what does that mean like for you when, you know, they're not a minor office space holder uh, over there, Levi Strauss, um, you know, is, is that what, what the future is going to look like? Uh, I think it's a little too early to tell. So, you know, when you look at big national companies like Levi, I would assume that you're going to see a lot of contraction with them because my guess is over time, and this I think happens in a lot of cycles too, that, you know, they figure out ways to, and new, new programs to open up in different areas of the U.S., and that happens for years and years over years. And then something happens and they start to reevaluate. Now they're realizing we've just done so much expansion that it's just inefficient. And you can just based on like what you've been doing over the last years, you can contract it all and make it a lot more efficient from an economic standpoint as well as an operational standpoint. Um, I think relating to COVID, I think it's a little too early to tell is that a cause and effect of just overexpansion from the last cycle of recession or is it something that's going to completely change because COVID's going to dictate to us that we don't need office space um, as abundantly anymore in general yeah i wish i knew Me too. I, I did, i'd invest better uh, <laughs> <laughs> doug so uh you're you're a large regional bar big partner of ours um i'm, I'm sure your business has changed um you know, but uh, at least in our work with you, we, we've seen an increase in, in opportunities. But uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us about what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, uh, the business is very dynamic. There's definitely, a, you know, a shift, you know, all the things that you would think of. And as well as it's affecting our clients differently, depending on, you know, what line of business and what vertical they're in. So uh, it's, uh, you know, our, our, our goal is to stay dynamic and, and, and be there for our clients. Um, and, uh, and like I said, I mean, certainly the, the work from home 
Um, you know, some of the, the incident response activity is, has picked up, unfortunately, and or fortunately. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, uh, and a lot of projects have been just put on hold. There's just a lot of uncertainty. And it's really client by client that we're seeing. There's really, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, overall trend of, you know, projects on hold and, and procurement getting involved with a lot of, you know, budget cutting and, and, and certainly people seeing concerns when you start cutting security too much and increasing your cybersecurity debt um, is, is, is the biggest challenge that I'm seeing that's going to occur this year. Um, and, and certainly the um, hacker activity has, has not declined by any means. Um, and we're seeing, definitely seeing an uptick in that. So uh, th those, you know, that that's in general what, what we're seeing in the market. But uh, yeah, my 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 biggest concern is just, you know, I, I think we've we've already incurred enough security debt over the years, and it just seems like it's gonna it's gonna continue, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen a real uh, increase in the number of incident response cases. Um, you know, week over week, it's actually. It's actually compounding and getting worse. I've had two two new ransomware calls today, um, and it just doesn't doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, and I, you know, I I wouldn't have expected this, but who knows? Steve, what about you? So I'm going to take the question in a slightly different of, way. Of course you are. Why why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? Right? Because. A lot of the COVID conversations here are technical, right? Okay, so for security, what does it mean to work from home? The company, or at least what we've been doing, is looking a lot at the concept of moral leadership. And it sounds boring, right? Moral leadership, be out there. Company like ours being 150 years old, right? We, we take our principles seriously. But you're a brand company, right? I mean, and we've discussed that before. Levi Strauss is very much an international brand, belief, feeling, you know, however you want to describe it. It's a lifestyle. That's what a we lifestyle, talked about, right? right? Because you look at Levi's not as a pair of jeans, but as, you know, part of your history of growing up and everything else. Now, that means we have strong, you know, social things, right? Moral things. We we care about a lot of things. We try to save the earth. You know, it's it's important for us to understand who our stakeholders are to sell. Now, the interesting thing about moral leadership is doing the right thing. Okay, that's what it comes down to, right? Do you have the moral fortitude to do the right thing? Now, from a security perspective, right? And like COVID nineteen is, we've put everybody out in their own homes, or we've had to furlough lots of people, okay? And so beyond just the technical of, well, what does our security perimeter look like? We've thought about it from a security awareness perspective, which was, well, what does moral leadership look like? What is it that we have to do to allow our workers to be productive, feel safe and secure? So what do you do with your security awareness program? Right? Do you harp on new types of threats that are coming in with COVID? Or do you actually you know, remind people that 
although the threats are still there, let's talk about what it means to work from home, right? Where is the social connectivity that you've counted on in order to be able to feel safe and secure? Not necessarily from cyber, okay? What does it mean as people start to go through this grieving process and are working lots and lots of hours or working in ways that they're uncomfortable with, where they may be more inclined to make mistakes that impact security, right? A lot of executives are not technically savvy, especially in a retail space. And so what's the right thing to do? And so it's been interesting to flavor right, the response and how we support the company, the value of cybersecurity around looking at that more leadership and making sure that we're understanding all of the facets of where we have a responsibility rather than looking at it as simply, you know, kind of the, the technical security of the company. And it's had some really interesting impact in our thinking as we're doing this kind of pause and pivot. Good. I want, I want to hit that one next, but you, you brought up a couple of things I want to ask just across the board. Uh, Steve mentioned furlough in there. I've been super fortunate. Um, we, have, we haven't had to do that. We've actually seen a surge in business um, in, in certain sectors. Obviously, our civil litigation and things like that have stopped. Courts are closed. But um, wondering about that, has, has anybody you know, had, to, had to let people go? Um, and, and in what numbers? And, and you know, how, how are you handling that? Uh, well, I mean, we've, it's been very limited, um, but uh, I mean, from our client standpoint, we're, we're definitely seeing some effects there and, and probably even a little bit more than I expected in, in, in IT. So those are starting, we're starting to see that fallout right now. Really? You, you have clients that have, have cut, made IT cuts? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Most of my most of my clients' IT departments are scrambling hard right now. They're they're barely keeping up. But all right, that's that's an interesting one, Dave. Uh, to my knowledge, we have not made any uh, layoffs to this point. Um, but I think we're also still within the uh, time frame of when the PPP doesn't allow um, businesses to lay off. Um, I actually don't know if McKenzie has applied to. I would assume that they did. Um, it's a little over my uh, pay scale, though. Um, I think the uh, Steve, you guys are definitely too large. I would assume to have applied for the PPP, though. Correct? Yeah, we didn't apply for the PPP, and, and I'll expand on this a little bit when you think about this. Because again, this is a large company, right? So we have very different perspectives on what our functions are. So I don't want to monopolize, but I'm trying to answer right, the questions in, in ways that I think people want to understand is beyond just the COVID-19, which is when we went public last year, right, a lot of things around retail is timing. And so once we went public and the brand was doing really well and we're firing on all cylinders like most companies are, okay, and now you have something like this, the question becomes, well, we happen to be in a great cash position, okay? got about a billion dollars in the bank. So we had this luxury of furloughing employees in the stores rather than laying them off, paying them out and then furloughing to keep the health 
uh, insurance benefits rolling. Because again, moral leadership, right? We want this opportunity to have our people, right, continue to maintain and invest in Levi's, not just our customers. And so you want to be the best company in the business coming out of this. And that's what gets interesting. So you talk about furloughs versus layoffs. You talk about um, if you're sick, we will give you time off, paid time off, even if you don't have enough vacation time. We'll let you negative accrue. Why? Do the right thing. In the end, it's costing us a little bit money, but it's going to come out on the backside. It's really interesting. Same thing with layoffs, right? Our budgets across the board dramatically lowered, okay? A lot, more than 30%. Across the board, including IT. Why? We have no dollars coming into the company. And so what do you do? You absolutely, right, have to live in the moment because you don't know how long. And right. so you do some really critical things there to be able to figure out what to stop and what to slow down. And then when you're coming out of this, think about it. Let's assume you lose a quarter's worth of revenue. Then for the year, you're only going to make three quarters of what you anticipated. How do you right-size the company coming out of this? Because as much as you want to keep everybody, right, the digital transformation, the change in work expectations, somehow, right, you have to bring the company through this exercise to be stronger. But there are going to have to be layoffs coming as we're figuring this out. And yes, it's taking a little longer because of some of the uh, federal uh, things that have been done in the U.S., but we're in Europe or in Asia, right? We're around the world. And so it's not a U.S. centric thing. It's which of our markets do we believe are going to come out, right? China went in two months early on this and had to shut down. They're now opening. So we're trying to learn from China to see what this looks like to be able to forward that into our other regions. And so that's why when we talk about layoffs and furloughs and, you know, the, the kind of the moral uh, leadership, then you look at cybersecurity, right? People got to work from home. So what's the right risk posture that you have to have? What do you do when you're going to have to lay people off and they're all working from home now? So how do you get the equipment? How do you do normal transitions like that? And how do you do it in a way that is appropriate. And so that's why I'm kind of really responding to this moral leadership, because when you look at all of these pieces beyond kind of the, the technical, it's how does a company, all of us, come out better, okay? Not necessarily bigger, but in a way that our people and our goals are, we're going to survive this and be better for it. Yeah, so, I've heard that from some other uh, clients of ours that, you know, they, uh, they're holding on to people, even though it hurts the, the bottom line, um, because their their point of view was that if they let them go at this point, they were never going to recover as a company. That it just, you know, the, the best and brightest they had would find other opportunities if the company cares so little about them that at the first sign of a of a speed bump, they, they toss everybody off the boat. Uh, I don't know how boats and speed bumps got together in my head, but uh, 
Yeah, we're we're gonna roll roll with me on that one. Just assume that that one made sense. Um, all right, let, let let me get to my next question here, so that we we get all these out of out of us here. Um, so, I've heard a lot of really random things from a lot of my clients. We have, I don't know, a couple hundred clients um, about stuff that they experienced in the lead up to sending everybody home for COVID nineteen, and then right after that was not anything like what they were expecting. Um, just, you know, completely, it did, you know, didn't, didn't expect this to happen. It happened. And now it's a thing and we're dealing with it was wondering, you know, from each of your industries, what was that thing that you just, just never, never projected for, but it happened and this is how you dealt with it. Dave, you want to hit it first? Uh, no, start with someone else. I got to think on that one. <laughs> All right, Doug, you're next. Well, I would say that, uh, you know, definitely uh, I don't miss the travel. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think, I think we're actually more productive because um, we're not spending a lot of time just traveling around, you know, for travel's sake. Obviously I think, you know, the, 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 the interact, especially in our business, the, the face-to-face interaction is, is truly missed and it's, it's really hard, you know, from a sales and marketing perspective to transition to this, uh, being that we're a very relationship driven company. So, uh, that's been a challenge, but I mean, overall productivity, you know, it's, I, you know, I think people are invested more to make sure that we can get through this. I've definitely seen the people that are, you know, stepping up. Um, we are, we are an employee owned ESOP. So, uh, you know, the, the true colors are, are coming out for the people that are, you know, truly stepping up to make a difference, uh, you know, from a company standpoint. So that that's been uh, great to see. Uh, I've actually spoke to some companies where they're, they're concerned with employee burnout because they've seen such a surge in the number of hours that, that employees are putting in, you know, they, they sent everybody home with the expectation they'd work less. And instead they're seeing a higher billable return off of, off of some of their hourly employees and things like this, you know, in, in this period of time. And then they're genuinely concerned that, it, that some of their folks are taking, taking every call in every time zone all the time. And, uh, you know, working themselves a little too hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we've, <laughs> we, we have a lot of extremely hardworking people to begin with. So uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not too concerned with that in our organization, but uh, I, you know, I'm definitely in some of our clients, I'm seeing some people that are definitely be, being stretched. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Steve, what about you? So, Huge efficiency gains in the short term, right? Especially like in the Bay Area, other areas where commutes of two and three hours are common, people just rolled in. Huge increase in efficiency um, as people figured it out. I love the 95 corridor right now. It, it, I, it's, I, I get blown by at 80 miles an hour. It's, it's ridiculous. I got to be over in the right lane or else I'll just get crushed. Yep, yeah, which is awesome. Second thing is 
Um, this forced, the company has been trying for years, like to get teams out, to get everybody to really understand, right, how to use all the collaboration tools. And this allowed us or forced us, right, to push it out globally, almost overnight. We've been working with it. And over the course of a week, all of the senior executives around the world, all now working from home, are all like, this stuff is awesome. And so the IT trying to fight uphill to get people to use collaboration tools, all of a sudden you got the leadership going. So this is what it's like. So this is what it means to work from home. Oh, these are how these tools work. This is really slick. We can do new things. And so it's opened their eyes to how to run a company without worrying about all that middle management of, well, are people actually working or are they just taking naps and left logged in? It completely blew all of that out of the water because everybody was doing it. Now, the, the two funny stories I'll have to share with that is, so a lot of VPN connectivity all of a sudden, right? As opposed to people working inside, which means our firewalls, our VPN servers all started to max out. And then we started to analyze the traffic, right? Because we can't lose it, right? I mean, we live and die now by that. And we, over the course of a couple of weeks, had some interesting observations around the amount and timing of the use of YouTube, Netflix, right? Other movie streaming services where we're like, what the hell are they doing sucking up my VPN bandwidth? <laughs> hey, you're not alone in that. I talked to a, a big global law firm that uh, they, they realized right away that their VPN infrastructure just wasn't designed for the whole company to be on it at one time. Um, and they basically had to reach out and go, look, if you're, if you're not an attorney, we're still going to pay you. Just, just don't get on the VPN. Just, we'll call you. We'll email you. We'll let you know what we need. Just, just don't log in. And so over the course of, you know, even now we still fight it every day. We watch this and we're doing, um, uh, dual, um, not dual hosting, you know, we're, we're throwing more and more of the stuff that was on the VPN out into the internet, right? So we're getting more efficient with it. But the other funny story was, so everybody had to work from home. And all these people all of a sudden wanted to go back to work to pick up stuff that they didn't take home when they left, okay? So we were talking about this at corporate a couple of weeks ago where we said, look, we're going to have to do something. So we're going to have to let people come, but we can't can't let them into the building, okay? We're gonna have to meet them at the loading dock. You're gonna have to pull your car in, open your trunk, get your back in your car. You know, one of our people will take the stuff that you told us to get out of your office. It's in a box, put in your trunk, we'll close it, you drive away, right? So totally hands off. So the question became, so what are the types of things that people were asking for or were, or were trying to take away, okay? And some of the funny things is somebody asked for their dirty running sneakers that were sitting in their office. Some people were asking for the mustard and mayonnaise that they left in the refrigerator. And then some people were trying to bring home some of their office furniture, like their couches. <laughs> so it was that, funny. That makes sense. I, I had an employee ask me if he could take his office chair home. He's like, 
I am sitting on this stool at home. He's like, it's been four weeks. I'm, I'm about to die. You got to let me take my, my chair home. I was like, all right, come in and get your chair. You know? Yep. So that's what I mean. You know, what that's, people need to work from home because they, yeah. they haven't. And what the, so again, I know I keep doing this, but moral leadership. So what's the right thing to do? Do you allow them to come in and basically strip the corporate assets out, take their monitors, their laptops, their chairs, whatever it is to be able to just work from home? Or do you tell them to buy it themselves? Or do you tell them, no, leave it all there and we'll buy you monitors? What is the expectation? And so all of these traditional cost decisions, right? Now we're looking at it as, What's the right thing to do yeah. to spend money in the short term to accomplish it? And so it's that pause and pivot moment again to figure out what to do. All right, we, we give you a chance to marinate on this. You better have a good story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not so um, through the conversation, one thing I thought about is that I think a lot of uh, companies over the years have been trying to figure out is work from home a good thing? And if so, would it make me? efficient or would it be a little bit less than efficient and this and from what's been happening this is kind of like they've been forced to discover it themselves and figure out is this a good thing is, is it good for uh, my employee morale or does it really just allow them to go home and do nothing and say state that they're working so and it's probably a little too early to tell for a lot of companies to figure out is it really the best move from a long-term cultural aspect for the uh, company but I think for a lot of groups are going to be able to figure out, is this a good long-term plan for us to do? And, and another thing, like, especially uh, where I live in the uh, Baltimore, Washington corridor, um, there's a huge fight for talent. And a lot of times where that talent goes dictates as to where the office is located and the amenities that are around the office. I think that if companies are going to be able to do a lot more remote working and figure out a way to make it efficient, it's going to open them up to a lot better talent that's that they're going to be able to recruit from the talent pool is now literally the entire world if they can figure out a way to make it work right. So, and a lot of companies are probably going to figure out how to do this accidentally because of everything that's happened. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I have employees in New Zealand and Ecuador and it's, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're in slightly different time zones, but it's just like having them here. Right. It does, doesn't change anything for them. So that's, that's a, that's a good one. All right. So uh, question number three on the, the big list. Um, what what did you discover as an advantage? Like, what was the thing that, you you know, that just turned out this this is great about this pandemic? Not that the pandemic's great, but, you know, the, the new thing that you learned, you picked up that the company did. I mean, Steve already alluded to this, that, you know, senior management all of a sudden went, oh, hey, geez, remote working works. Um, you know, makes the IT department look good. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what's that, uh, you know, unexpected discovery during the quarantine that, you know, this, this is a really good thing for us. Doug, you're in the center of my screen. You get to go first. Uh, well, like I mentioned before, uh, travel, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we kind of discussed those already in the, in the last question. So I'll, I'll throw mine out there. So I was actually uh, in Tokyo with Steve, strangely enough. Two days later, I went to Singapore. 
while I was in Singapore, uh, as you know, end of February, where all this was coming down, um, my office, my my director of operations, actually just took the initiative and sent everybody home. He's like, nope, we're out, COVID nineteen, we're not doing this. Everybody go home and start working. Uh, implemented our our plan for that. Um, there was, you know. An IT plan. There was a structure. This is how it's going to work. This is, you know, the minimum uh, rotation of people, through. and it worked perfectly to the point that I didn't even realize it happened. I was on my way back from Singapore, back in the states, uh, actually taking the train, empty train, which was awesome. You ever ride an empty Amtrak train down the Eastern Corridor? That's an amazing experience. Um, whole car to myself, <laughs> but. Uh, but I, that was the first time I realized that they'd been they'd been working from home for over a week and a half without me. Um, you know, so it's, it's just nice to see you know your plans actually happen and work. Well, I guess I, I will add that uh, we, I mean we've done some virtual happy hours. Those have actually been very fun. Um, you know, we, like I mentioned before, we're, we're remote anyway. We've been used to doing a lot of work from home, but we've never really done those. You know, it's usually just been on conference calls. We haven't really leveraged video before, let alone do more of a social thing virtually. So I guess it's been kind of fun to you know see people's pets and their houses and and. And, 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 you know, learn more about them, you know, outside of just the day-to-day day day work. So I think that that's been, that's definitely been a plus. Now, did anybody have a situation where you actually didn't have enough computers for people? So we had several clients that were, you know, had people boxing up desktop computers and monitors and, you know, and keyboards and stuff like this and, and uh, sending them home with folks because they were just in an environment where not everybody had a laptop. You know, they intended to keep the staff on, but there just wasn't enough, you know, equipment to go around. Yeah, we did a lot of leases for clients because we have a whole warehouse full of equipment and it's virtually all gone. But we, we, we definitely heard the, the horror stories of people just picking up their desktops out of their offices and monitors and taking them home. And right. Just from a cybersecurity perspective, it just just shake your head. Well, I, I talked to some help desks that were just like, you know, and then these people got home had no idea what to do with this big box of, of computer garbage that got handed to them. And so they call the help desk and, and they'd have to wind the, the, the mouse, the mouse, hook it, hook it to the back of the computer, hook, the, the back of the, the other side, you know, just all, all this craziness and, and, you know, and, and trying to reconfigure software, you know, systems that were never meant to be taken home. So I have one to share that was uh, kind of an aha is, when people are in the offices, right, you have different, you have basically two classes of people, right? The people that are social and the ones that are more introverted, right? Extrovert, introvert. And so when you're in person, in rooms, the extroverts tend to monopolize and the introverts are there, they do their job, they're quiet. Once we put everybody at home, the extroverts were all of a sudden the ones that were the, uh, the ones out of the comfort zone because they didn't know technology, they weren't comfortable working by themselves, you know, self-motivated, blah, blah, blah. They needed other people, they had to talk. And so the introverts became much more visible and their value to the company became much more noticeable because it wasn't just they were the IT guys to go to, but they knew how to operate this way. They didn't need all of that social integration, interaction. and so. 
the extroverts has to learn from the introverts basically how to function, right? And they were the ones now that were having to go through this exercise and changing behavior. And all the introverts now had, you know, were speaking up because they were comfortable with it. And so we had to realize there was this whole new, you know, kind of feedback loop that was coming in as a result of this trans transference into the, you know, out, out working from home. That was a really interesting surprise that we're still working through to be able to understand how to best leverage that now that we see the difference. Yeah, COVID-19 is, is wearing my head of biz dev down. He, he, he can't stand it. He's such a social guy. Patrick Wynn's out there shaking hands, buying dinner and drinks for everybody and stuff like this. And he's just, he, he's, he's clawing at the windows right now trying to get out. But you, Dave? So I'm going to talk more on a uh, personal and not really a um, business perspective on this. But because um, a lot of people ask me something like this <clears throat> and, and I've really looked at it. And so uh, and, and I'm going to assume that I'm actually the youngest person on this panel here. I'm thir- I just turned 36 on Sunday. Um, but I look She's back and I what's that? He's only 22. Uh, uh, never mind that. I'm second youngest on the panel. Yeah, well, mine's 22 hex. Okay, so you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, not an IT guy. I really don't get that joke at all, but I'll laugh anyways. <laughs> um, so I've been working uh, pretty much nonstop since I was two weeks before my 14th birthday. And if you look at that, except for going to college, which really was a four-year vacation, which I got educated all at the same time. Um, I mean, I've been working nonstop for quite some time. So I, when all this stuff happened, I was like, you know what? I'm really just going to try to take the best of this. I'm going to use this as a little bit of a mental break, uh, mental and physical break. I mean, me and the pup over here, we go for walks every day. Uh, I was playing tennis for as long as I could. And it really, you know, the amount of work I could do was very limited. And it was really just a way to kind of refresh because, Really, when I graduated college, I looked at it as I'm really not going to have more than what a couple of weeks off at a time for vacation again until I retire, which I'm 36 now, could be when I'm 75 years old. So, I mean, me personally, I've just been trying to make the best of it, keeping in touch with friends that you need to, keeping in touch with business colleagues, clients, and uh, you know, strategic partners, and just trying to figure out how do you make the best of it and how do you come at it as on top, whether it's from a business standpoint or a personally mental, physical standpoint? Good answer. All right, so I should have mentioned this before. It is uh, May 14th. Uh, tomorrow's May 15th, which in Maryland means that they're uh, opening up a whole bunch of the, uh, the state. Uh, I believe they've got uh, restaurants, uh, barbershops, some bars, things like this. Uh, churches opening tomorrow. Um, things like this all, all opening up. Uh, Virginia, I think, is doing a little bit different. I think D.C. might have pulled back. Some of the counties are still shifting around, things like that. Um, what does it look like for you guys short-term? Kind of what, what's what's the plan, um, you know, and, and what you guys are doing? And then what's, what's, what's the long-term game for the company? I'll let anybody who wants to speak up first take that one. Well, we 
I mean, we, we definitely have a, a, you know, a good mix of, of, of employees that are doing different things. We, we, we actually in different States, um, just, I'm sure just like Steve. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, we, we've got folks that are already leveraging PPP that are, are going in because they're essential workers doing essential things. Um, but still majority of our company is work from home. Um, so there's, there's no real rush to do anything other than understanding when we're going to be able to get back in front of our clients, if they want us to get in front of them, um, and, and making those decisions on how to do that. Um, it, you know, it's pretty much state by state at, at this point, um, how we're going to handle that. Um, and, and, you know, just gather as much information as we can, um, from the latest situation, but I don't, I don't think anybody can predict what's going to happen here in three to six months. It's, it's just crazy. Right. Are you going to start, uh, bringing employees back in? Well, so we, they'll have the option to do that. Yes. Um, if they feel comfortable, um, if the, if the States allow them to, you know, to do that, they will absolutely be able to come into office. We'll have PPP and, you know, go through the, the necessary, um, you know, uh, operations to do that. Um, but it'll, it'll, you know, we're, we're still leaving it up employee by employee because we know every employee has a different situation home situation it's just not them personally it's all the people around them so yeah it's all those people that and two make two make two so on well since i'm in california i jokingly say it'll be at least 2022 (laughs) before california even lets us out of our house okay so I have no idea if we'll ever but, be but locked out. There's a difference out. there, right? I mean, Southern California, Los Angeles, they're talking about, you know, tomorrow it's it's back to normal. And, you know, up there around the bridge, they're talking about not even considering it until what, July, August? Yep. Well, who knows, right? Uh, they are so, everybody's got to be safe. That's why I joke. I'm thinking, you know, even if we, even if the state lets it go, unless it's into the offices, than just putting people into the office, that same kind of really conservative view of we don't want it to restart. So 10% of the population is allowed to go back on a day. I mean, they're trying to figure out how to do this to allow people in, but not to really, you know, do the socialization. And and so I simply say the people are going to decide by themselves over time, right? Everybody's kind of getting tired of this. And a lot of the states are either independently or the people inside, like in Southern Cal, are simply saying, okay, we've had enough. Okay, this is what we're going to support. And let's get back to, to business. Uh, you know, I feel like that another month of this will have a better clue because the general population of the United States is starting to speak their mind and you're seeing a lot of this. And then it's just, are the states being proactive to open it up? Are they being reactive when people finally say, like Tesla and Musk, I'm bringing my guys back in. I don't care. You want to arrest me, arrest me, and I'm going to sue you because you've exceeded your authority. So it's a really interesting play. Dave, you got a dog in this one? (laughs) Right there. (laughs) Uh, I agree with Steve. I think time's going to tell. There's too much inconsistency between jurisdictions in general. And, uh, you know, somebody said to me, you know, a month and a half ago that, you know, 
the stay-at-home order is only going to last for as long as people allow it to last. And it was funny because about a week ago, he said to me, he's like, I think that, uh, that, uh, that time's about to expire now. And I think you're definitely starting to see it around just everywhere, talking to people and seeing how kind of fed up they are with everything and really just wanting to get back onto something that relates to normalcy. So, Brian, I have a question for you. Yeah. I happen to know you got a new kitchen out of this COVID exercise. Uh, so yeah. yeah. I want to know, what were your learnings? How did you manage to renovate a kitchen when everybody had to work from home? Uh, you know, Steve, I have absolutely no idea because I have <laughs> nothing to do with that renovation project. Um, so as far as I know, uh, I went to Singapore. My kitchen disappeared. Um, when I returned home, there was no kitchen. There was just a hole. And, uh, then magically one day there was a kitchen again. So, uh, that's, that's about the extent of what I know about that process. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do anything on the home renovation side. It uh, keeps, keeps me safe. Um, but, uh, all right. So, so, so that aside, I mean, how long is it going to feel? How long is it going to be before any of you feel like standing in a room of 50 people again? Cause I, I've been thinking about that personally going, you know, I, I'm not sure how long that is for me. I don't, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. Before we want to 45 days ago, <laughs> realistically, when would I feel comfortable doing it? Um, See, that's a good question. Like you know, with a mask on, I don't really know. Like, uh, cause I don't really know how contractable this is. And I don't know if anybody really knows how contractable it is. Uh, so if everybody's wearing their mask and, and taking safety measures and we're all standing six feet apart, does that make you, uh, you know, almost immune to it? My guess is no, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't really understand what the risk levels are with this. And damn, you're starting to annoy me now. Um, but, um, so I, I think that it all depends on, you know, how much education we learn about how to really be in groups and make it so we're not putting ourselves open to, to, to health risks and really understanding that before you figure out how comfortable you are getting into situations like that. I, I, have, I don't know. I have a practical view, which was, guys, this is a really bad flu and it's going to come back in the fall and we've had good and bad years for flus. So at some point, I want to say common sense has to break out, right? Which is you hear in the news, herd mentality, herd immunity. Whether we get 50 people or not is I think to a certain extent from a social cultural thing, when are we going to realize we got to get back to work? We got to do stuff you know, time will go on, the flu will change, right? And so some time has to go by. Because if you look at it in the larger picture, right? Yes, it's a new strain, but it is a flu. And if you're over 70, you're, you know, or you've got some comorbidity associated with it, but the rest of it is, you know, where's that middle ground? And I think that's what we're gonna have to find. And you'll find it in different levels, right? The kids may be much more inclined to do it because they're younger. If they get it, they, they get it. And so that's what I'm waiting to see is once the news and everybody is done 
making this such a big deal and looking at it from a slightly more pragmatic business perspective. What's the moral, right? Same thing, moral leadership. What are we doing to address people's concerns, but also trying to do the right thing for everybody? Uh, you know, that's where I'm hoping in two, three months, it's got to be moderated. We got to come back more towards the middle. I would just, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of, a lot of different ways states are handling this and it's just all, you know, we just have to wait for it to come out in the data. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. I, I don't, I don't think there's any way you can guess right now. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that, that it doesn't seem like they have a lot of data so far. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm just all about the data. They, they almost have too much data, right? They have too many possible symptoms, you know, too, too many, you know, different scenarios uh, and, and not enough, uh, you know, real facts in there and some of that stuff. But uh, all right. Well, that was everything I had, gentlemen. Um, I appreciate your time. Uh, my, my personal thoughts are on this. I think we're going to see an uptick as we start to. Uh, so the infection rates here in the, in the D.C., Virginia area are still pretty high. Um, indicating that whatever it is is, you know, still fairly contagious. Um, I, I think we'll see a, a definite upturn in uh, in cases over the next few weeks, um, and and we'll we'll make decisions based on that. Maybe there will, maybe there won't, you know. But I think regionally it's going to be, you know, different also. So, well, I think when Scotch and Cigars comes back, I'm happy to be with 50 of my favorite people. I know, right? And then and they canceled Black Hat and DefCon, which isn't until August, uh, you know, out in Vegas this year. So, uh, you know, at least that organization is that far ahead on it. They're not willing to put that together. And that's, I'm actually looking forward to that. That's a couple of weeks from now, but I have uh, uh, some casino folks on and uh, they, they, yeah, <laughs> Dave wants to come back. Dave is the only person I actually know that goes to a casino and wins. Um, <laughs> Not every time, trust me. <laughs> not, not every time, not every time. It's only the only the ones he tells me about. Okay. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, I appreciate you all being here, especially first episode. And next week we have what uh, Under Armour, uh, U.S. Military Academy at West Point, and uh, I have uh, a national uh, plans and policy company on. So uh, appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much, and uh, I look forward to seeing you all in person again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same here, guys. Thank you. Be safe. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry Podcast, and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.